following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
the year was 1906. William Seymour was the pastor of the Apostolic Faith Gospel Mission, Azusa Street, Los Angeles. He's not remembered as a great preacher. His sermons have never been bound, collected, like John Wesley's or Charles Spurgeon's. The truth is, he preached very little. I'm going to share with you one of his very, very short sermons today. He led the services at the little mission. He exhorted. And then he let God have his way. Spent most of the time with his head under the pulpit, praying, crying out to God. His power was in the fire of God that rested upon him. He was the son of slaves. He was uneducated. He read only the Bible. And yet this simple man's words, by the power of the fire of God, changed the world. I'm going to read a part for you of, of what he wrote. What he what he writes is, is quite stunning. The words are in a little book called Azusa Street Sermons, the words that changed the world. Let me share with you what he says. A sinner comes to the Lord all wrapped up in sin and darkness. He cannot make any consecration because he is dead. The life has to be put into us before we can present any life to the Lord. He must get justified by faith. There's a lamb without spot and blemish slain before God for him. And when he repents toward God for his sins, the Lord has mercy on him for Christ's sake and puts eternal life in his soul, pardoning him for his sins, washing away his guilty pollution, and he stands before God justified as if he had never sinned. Then there remains that old, that old original sin in him from which he was not responsible till he has the light. He hears that Jesus, that Jesus might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate, and the sinner comes to be sanctified. There is Jesus, the lamb without blemish on the altar, Jesus takes that soul and he presented to God for thorough purging and cleansing from all original and endemic sin. He's talking about the old man that has to be removed. He continues, And Jesus, the Son of God, cleanses him from all sin and he has made every whit whole, sanctified 
and holy. Now he is on the altar, ready for the fire of God to fall, which is the baptism with the Holy Ghost. It is a free gift upon the sanctified and cleansed heart. The fire remains there continually, burning in the holiness of God. Why? Because he is sanctified and holy. And on the altar continually, he stays there. And the great Shekinah of glory is continually burning and filling with heavenly light. That was in October 1906. He says in several places, it's not enough to be free of our sins, sanctified. It's not enough to be have our sins forgiven and be regenerate. He says we must also have the Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I come wanting everything God has for me. I come recognizing the greatest sin of my life. I'm going to share that sin with you today because I think for many of you it is also your great sin. And it must be dealt with, honestly. Before the fire of God can come, Many will never receive the fire of God and they will they will be a part of the foolish bridegroom, the virgins waiting for the bridegroom, and they'll run out of oil. They won't have what they need. They won't have what it takes to get through. You must have the baptism in fullness of Pentecost power. And don't tell me you have the baptism because you were baptized in water. Don't tell me that you have all that you need but you're not winning anyone to Jesus. You have no power to heal the sick or raise the dead. You have no power to convict a sinner of his situation before God. If you don't have any of that, you're not baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. You're an American. I come back to Genesis, the second chapter. Let me read this for you because it sets a base for us to understand the wrath of God against our sin. Chapter 2 of Genesis, beginning with verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then we come to the third chapter. I've come to this story so many times, but it's so vital that we understand this story. If we don't get it, we're in trouble. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, what's his literary device? It's irony. 
Irony is a literary device that says when you see something, it's not what you think it is. It's something else. The truth is hidden. The devil is now setting up Eve with this literary device so that she'll come back and defend and say, oh, no, 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 no. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must touch it, not touch it, or you will die. And the devil responds, you will not surely die, and the trap is sprung. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Or literally, come here. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit and I ate it. It's not my fault, God, it's the woman's fault. And the woman says, It's not my fault, it's the serpent's fault. No responsibility. Now, there's something very specific I'm wanting to say to you out of this story. There's so much there, but I have a very specific point to make. This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this tree has been the source of my greatest sin. And I am deeply grieved by it. I have been crying out to God over this. What do I mean? Simply this. I have turned down the evil side of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've renounced all evil. But the good side allows me to make my own choices about what I will enjoy and when I will enjoy it. Let me be specific. I can sit down and watch the History Channel because, of course, it is good. Well, realistically, it's not all good, and the ads are certainly not good. But I have people say to me, Pastor, television's not bad. I I just watch the History Channel or... Or I watch this, or I watch... Yeah, it's all good. Comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Somehow we think, and I have thought, that I could eat what I wanted to eat when I wanted to eat it. 
not respecting that my body is sacred and is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I can make decisions about where I'd like to go and what I would like to do. One of my interests is riding the train. I would love to take a trip to California or Oregon on the train. Idaho. When I was just a a young lad, 10, 11 years old, my mother would have to go every summer to Wyoming to visit Grandma. They lived in Wyoming, Laramie, in a little town outside part of the time called Bosler, a little railroad town of 50 people. And mother would go, and dad would say, you cannot go alone, Orpha. You must take Raymond with you. He'll carry your luggage. Well, I was delighted. It gave me those train rides, and it was very exciting for me. And I've always had that love of of the trains, the Baltimore and Ohio, the other trains. Well, do I have the right to say, you know what, I'm just going to go, I'm going to take some time, I'm going to take a trip, I'm going to take my vacation now. Do I have that right? Most would say, of course you do, Pastor. You need a vacation too. No, I do not have that right. And no, I don't have the right to sit down and watch what I choose to watch. I could easily go and look at a myriad of videos of of people taking video trips on the train. Can I do that? No. I can't do what other people can do because I am a servant of Jesus Christ. But I have done that. I now am having at every turn to ask the Lord, is this something you want me to do? Is this where you want me to go to eat? Is this what you want me to do? Constantly, now I'm looking at everything in my life and anything that detracts from reading the Word of God, anything that detracts from my life of prayer and my life of intimacy with Jesus, I will not have anything to do with. I turn it aside because I don't want to sin against my Lord. My greatest sin has been enjoying the good of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good, but not holy. Good, but not sacred. Good, but does not lead me closer to Jesus. Interesting. Attractive desirable but does not take me to Jesus 
I know that I'm a place in my life now where I must literally count my days. The wrath of God is against the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I am not here to live a normal, happy American life. I have many temptations that I did not have when I was a child. I was raised on a farm. We had no television. There were no computers. There were no cell phones. We had a party line. The worst thing I ever did was pick up the phone and listen to the neighbors as they talked to another person. You see, on that farm, there was very little I could do that was sin. But today, we have every smorgasbord before us. With one, two clicks on the computer, you can be at a pornographic site. You can quickly go to whatever entertainment your heart desires. You can go to the football game, the baseball game. You can go anywhere in the world, tours, trips, travel. Whatever your your heart desires, you can grasp that now. Information is so vast and so widely available on Google. You can study anything you want to study. And you can spend your hours and your days searching after wisdom in the world or enjoying the entertainment of the world or enjoying the vices of the world. There's no limit to what you can get involved in. And then, of course, there's all the extra things that you can become involved in, in all the recreational sports, all of the the cooking, the collecting, all manner of things that you can do that would be pleasing to your to your flesh. But will it bring you closer to Jesus? And I'm having to recognize that much of what I have been interested in will not bring me to Jesus and will not prepare me for the fire of God to come for power to turn the heart of this nation toward God. Now, let's be honest. Our days on this earth are numbered. You may say to me, Pastor, how do you know about the wrath of God? Is that just an idea you have? No. The wages of sin are death, it says in Romans, the sixth chapter. And everybody that I know has died or is dying or will die. I've lived long enough to attend and to lead many funerals. We die. And death is not natural. It is God's penalty on our sin. And every moment we have on this earth is a probationary time. It is not time for us to go out and enjoy the good things that are all available to us. 
that are identified on the knowledge of good and evil. Instead, our devotion needs to be serving in our jobs, demonstrating the life of Christ in that workplace, calling men and women to follow after Jesus. I've known of people who have great honor in their job, but they've never once spoken about Jesus Christ to the people that so applaud them for their excellence. And they would say that their excellence is the testimony of Jesus, but nobody knows that it's the testimony of Jesus. And so they never win anyone to Christ because they don't have Pentecost power. They don't have the fire of God. I have to have the fire of God. And if you're going to be an overcomer, and if you're going to walk through and fulfill the purpose God has for you, you too must have the fire of God. Some of you will say, well, pastor, I don't have any known sin in my life. Okay, good, that's a start. Now cry out to God for the anointing of the Pentecost power for witness and service. I want to share with you a psalm. I keep coming back. I am not here to accomplish for myself a pleasant life. I am here to honor and worship my Savior. I'm here to fulfill the gospel commission. I'm not here to have fun. I will enjoy, and I do enjoy, my service to my master. I enjoy that service. I'm going to walk very carefully and slowly through Psalm 90. If you have your Bible, grab it. Follow along with me. I'm going to read this to you from the NIV. I recognize it's not the best translation, but I don't apologize for it. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. We don't even know that our dwelling place is in God. Our dwelling place is not in the devil. Our dwelling place is in God. He says, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And we know from looking at John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, we know that he's speaking about Jesus Christ. Jesus was the creator God. He says in verse 3, You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. 
You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They're like new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up. It's new. By evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. I'm terrified by God's indignation. My iniquities have been set before the Lord God of heaven, the secret sins of my heart. have been in the light of the presence of God. And my secret sins have been, and my greatest sin has been, that I can decide for myself what I want to do. It's late at night. I've had a wonderful dinner but I get a hankering for a bowl of ice cream. So I get up and go down to the freezer and scoop myself out some ice cream. Really? Is that a need? No. It's just a taste. And so I satisfy my taste. Why? Because I can not because I need to. Go to the store and you buy something. Why? Because you can. You have the money in your pocket. It's burning a hole in your pocket. What about the poor? What about the work of the gospel? What about what about Jesus? Does he care what you do with your money? Does he care what you do with your time? Oh, I tell you today, my brother, my sister, God cares what we do with our time, and he cares what we do with our money. He did not give us money to waste on trinkets, on little things that will please us. He did not give us money to do that. If you choose to do what you want to do with your time and your money, and you say it's all good, You're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if it is not something that furthers the kingdom of Jesus Christ that will bring honor and glory to him. I don't just go and purchase a new tie just because I think I'm tired of the old ones. I listen. I go where I'm told. The Spirit of God speaks. 
Look carefully at Romans, the 12th chapter, and it will give you what you must do if you're going to hear the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, directing your steps. Romans, the 12th chapter. Go read it. Verse 9, this is Psalm 90, verse 9. All our days pass away under your wrath, and we finish our years with a moan. This morning I was crying over that, saying, Lord, don't let me finish my time on the earth with a moan. Let me finish my time on the earth with a great shout of victory that I finish the fight. Finish the course. And now there's laid up for me a, a crown of life. I recognize the battle's on. I want Jesus. I want heaven. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Now, you can ease yourself emotionally through the trouble and the sorrow by vegging out on information, on video games, on food and gluttony, you can spare yourself the feelings of trouble and sorrow by entertaining yourself. I'm not going to choose to do that anymore in any way. My eyes are on Jesus. Who knows the power of your anger? for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I'll tell you something that happened. I have some very innocent sites that I like to go to. One is called a critter cam. It's a live cam down south. And I like sometimes to just sit and watch the raccoons, the opossums, the deer, the birds, the squirrels. Once in a while, an armadillo. Even one time, an alligator. I'd spent some time watching that. And then I felt convicted. I was watching that before I went to bed. I had wasted precious time that I could have been with Jesus. And I could have been reading his word. Brother William Seymour, this man of God 
who was the least likely of men, blind in one eye. All he read was the Bible. I'm not telling you that that is all you're allowed to read. I can't set that kind of rule. But he read the word. His focus was not on what he would enjoy. His focus was on Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who comes with his fire and dwells in us and gives us the power to deal with the wicked, with sinners. Relent, O Lord. Verse 13, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I've been saying, O Lord, would you establish the work of my hands? Will you establish, O God? the work of the National Prayer Chapel. Would you establish, O oh God, the ministry you've called me to? I'm going to wait for him to do that. But while I wait, I'm going to search the scriptures. I'm going to pray. And everything that I do is going to be to help strengthen me in the journey with Jesus. I'm going to eat what the Lord tells me to eat when the Lord tells me to eat. I'm going to wait upon him. I'm going to say, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. In 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verse 9, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. For that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself. 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Shall I take my body, my eyes, and unite it with a wicked movie? No! Should I take my eyes and my ears and give them to the world's music? No! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body, for it is said the two will become one flesh? But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit? What is your great sin today, brother? Sister, what is your great sin? Have you, like me, thought you were free to eat what you wanted to eat, to go where you wanted to go, as long as you did your duty? Have you, like me, thought, I'm free? I have the time, I have the money. I can do, as long as it's not something evil, I can do what I want. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Chapter 3. This is 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred. And you are that temple. So what is your sin? Do you smoke cigars? Do you chew? Do you drink alcohol? Are you a glutton and you're fat, obese? What is your sin? Where do you go to hang out? Where's your favorite place? Is it godly? Is it a place that encourages you in your walk with Jesus? What is your sin today? Come, reason with me. Do you recognize that the wrath of God is upon the whole earth because all men are assigned to die? God's wrath is on you and it's on me. Until I come to Jesus and I renounce the world, I renounce the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yes, I will die physically, but I will not die, Jesus said. I will be resurrected and taken into the heavenly. Yes, this body will die. Flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 
but you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So what is your sin? One person said to me, Pastor, I don't have any sin. I've always lived a good life. Well, that's true. This person has always been a good person after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but never filled with the Spirit of God and never having any recognition of the desperate need of her heart to repent before a holy God because she was deceived by the tree of the knowledge of good. So she's never had to come to terms with the wickedness of her heart in setting her own path and going her own way and making her own decisions. You know, it's very clear. If we do not come to Jesus and allow the price he paid to buy us, if we do not honor our God with our bodies, God's wrath remains on us. And we don't recognize that wrath because everything seems to be going along. God's wrath is on us. I was crying out to the Lord last night over this issue, recognizing how unconscious I have been for most of my life. I don't want to be unconscious any longer. I am not my own. I was bought at a price. I am owned by Jesus, as are you. Romans 6, verse 11. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It does not say, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to a wonderful life as an American. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm not here to get ahead in life. I'm not here to be a success. I'm here to bring praise and honor and glory to the name of Jesus. I'm not here to be loved by other people who get angry because of the conviction of my heart that I have to speak to you. And yes, there are people who get very angry with me and cut me off and don't even talk to me anymore. It's okay. I'm not here to please people. I'm here to lift up the name of Jesus, and I'm here to bring honor and glory to his name. I'm here to serve him. I'm here to love people in the, in the name of Jesus Christ 
and speak to them in such a way that they will identify their own sin and quickly come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. So I come today. Are you hungry to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are are you hungry for Jesus? Or are you hungry for your television? What do you do when you relax? What do you do when you kick back? You're tired. You've come from work. What's the first thing you do? Do you go get a beer out of the fridge? Do you go kick back on the couch and watch some television? If so, you're feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Or do you eagerly come home from work and help the family? And then as you have helped them, you open the word and you have your recreation time reading the stories of Scripture and letting the Holy Spirit minister to your body and to your mind. We have so many options. We have so many possibilities. It's like a smorgasbord the devil has spread. On one end, there's the wicked, the vile, the evil. On the other end, there's all the pleasing stuff. Good games, good movies, good recreation. Good places to go, good things to think about. as long as we don't think about Jesus and the lost and the dying and begin to have such a burden on our hearts that our hearts are crushing us. We feel like we're having a heart attack because there are so many people we love who are hell-bound. Oh, my brother, my sister, What is your greatest sin? Will you repent? Will you renounce it now in the name of Jesus? And will you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Almighty God, I cry out for your people today and for myself that in this wicked age, we would turn away from all that the devil has to offer us, both good and evil, and that we would seek your face, that we would cry out to you, that we would read your word, that we would reach out and minister to those around us. We would help the poor. We would not turn our back on those who ask or those who so desperately need. Almighty God, there has to be a change. We can't continue like this in America and expect you to come and bring revival. I know revival will never come until your people put away their sins. Lord, would you come and minister to us now? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to thank Bob for your contribution. I found it this morning. 
and many others who have given hilariously for the gospel work. If you'd like to give, if you treasure the confrontation that I bring with the word day by day and the direction and the call to righteousness, if this is helpful to you, then invite a friend to listen, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, and go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. You can also write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I love you, my brother, my sister. I want you to be free of your sin. I want you to be baptized in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost power. I love you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.